You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Auburn is not a place, it is a people. The loveliest village on the plains is more than a college sports venue, more than a university filled with historic buildings, more than a quaint little southern town. Its worth lies within its people, those that call Auburn home, whether that be for a single day at a time or for a lifetime. Much like our legendary Toomer's Oak Trees, our stories are the product of a firm foundation laid in the beginning of our Auburn story. These are the stories of the Auburn family. These are their roots. Where you go, Auburn fans, and welcome back to Auburn Roots as we continue our journey of exploring and sharing the experiences of your Auburn family. Here we are at episode 13, the unlucky 13. So I don't know that my guest is uh, happy about having that number as their episode. But either way, uh, I, you know, I'm still happy to have them here. Whether they're happy to have the number 13 on there or not. Uh, let me introduce uh, my guest. His name is Mr. Reagan Ingram. Uh, he is a longtime family friend of my of my family, and uh, they have been great friends and even have helped us get to a few Auburn games every once in a while. And I have some very fond memories of some fun games that uh, they had hands in getting us there and kind of experienced. So, Reagan, thank you so much for joining me and being willing to tell your Auburn roots. Hey, Kyle, I'm glad to be here. Hey, number 13 was my first jersey number in sports. So well, it's perfect. For the Floyd Blue Bees of YMCA football in Montgomery, Alabama, I was number 13. Serendipitous, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the way we'll kind of type this, this storyline up tonight. It was just meant to be for you to be number 13 and harness it. And, uh, you know, so you already mentioned it right off the top. You're from Montgomery, Alabama. Born and raised my whole life. Uh, you know, I've Outside of uh, my brief time at Auburn and living in uh, near Wetumpka, I've been in this circle my entire life. So let's talk about that real quick before we kind of dive into your story and maybe start from the beginning of that. But the Montgomery area, I always like to ask people, especially the areas that they're from, Montgomery, what is your perspective of the dynamic between Auburn and Alabama, that breakdown? Is it more Alabama? Is it more Auburn? Is it kind of somewhere in the middle? I'm always interested to hear people's opinions. Uh, you know, I would say, like, just about everywhere in the state outside of Lee County, it's probably a little bit more Alabama. Folks, mm-hmm. you'll just see a deeper uh, – uh, you'll, you'll see a larger portion of Auburn folks in the Montgomery area because of the – because of how close it is, because it's, you know, just, what, 50 miles away down the road. I mean, but if, if you just get to pure numbers, it's probably more Alabama, though it probably doesn't appear to the naked eye as much – as others might think. We do tend to be a little bit passionate about showing our colors, wearing them, having them on bumper stickers. Now, I will say this, if I may go ahead and take an early shot at our Alabama friends, they tend to just wear their T-shirts they got from Walmart. That's about it. <laughs> what, what, what can you do? What can you do? 
you just can't help them sometimes. They got to get their gear somewhere, and Walmart's the best place. Not that Walmart's bad or anything. I'd love me some Walmart, but <laughs> I'm kind of over Walmart at this point. I think, we, look, at this point, you know, a little kind of pulling back the curtain here. We're recording this during the middle of COVID 19 pandemic 2020. If you're listening to this far from the future, I think we're all tired of Walmarts and any kind of superstore that you've got to go in there and try to search for things. It just, it's, it's madness out there right now. No, it's, it's no fun going out and shopping, particularly with the mask on. We've got our mask order here and, you know, but we do what we do and hopefully we can persevere through this and get past it and get on the other side. Absolutely. Rather than later and hopefully have football and, and, and basketball too. I mean, I, I'm just as passionate about it as both. Yeah. Fingers crossed over here on my end. I, I don't know uh, what the future holds, but uh, you know, on my end, I know who holds the future. So I, I definitely take comfort in that. And I think we will see sports in some capacity. As we did last night, we had a football game at Crampton Bowl. It was not a pretty game, but it was a, what Austin P in central Arkansas. So that I, was the weirdest thing. I caught that the other night and I was like, in what world does Montgomery open up the college football season? I mean, that's just... They've actually been doing it about three or four years now. They have an FCS kickoff game. Stanford played in it a couple of years ago. Um, Jacksonville State has played in it. Uh, and, 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 I, and I don't think this was the original plan for these two schools, but that's how it ended up because of with cancellations. And, and the crazy thing was, and I realize this didn't have anything to do with Auburn, but... Uh, Central Arkansas has only got like three games on its schedule. Or no, no, it's got like eight games on its schedule. And like two of them are like home and aways. And Austin P only has like three games right now scheduled because of, because of COVID-19. They're going to Pitt and going to Cincinnati. And then that'll be it. They'll play three games. And they've already lost one. So, hey, we're done. <laughs> You want to talk about Auburn, though, and I want to talk about Auburn. Well, you know, I always love to hear, you know, what's going on in the region that you're in, and that's something that's important to it there. But, yeah, let's let's dive a little deeper into what makes Reagan a great Auburn fan. And where do those – I'm a great Auburn fan, but I've been a long long time with her life. Hey, if you help the Loomis family get some tickets, you're a great Auburn fan. That's all (laughs) that matters. Okay, I'll take that. Um you know, I I grew up. I grew up in it. My father uh, went to Auburn. He was, uh, uh, and his sister did. He was from a little town in northeast Alabama called Center. Uh, Dad served in World War II as a Marine, as a high-speed radio operator, and he got out of the Marines uh, in about, uh, I think it was 46. I think his, uh, ten, his uh, enlistment ended at that point, and he didn't know what he was going to do, but his sister had gone to Auburn. And some of his friends from his hometown went to Auburn. And so he went to Auburn and, you know, dad was, uh, was dirt poor. He was on the GI bill. He uh, had an interest in reading and writing. And so he got on the newspaper staff, ended up being sports editor at the Plainsman in uh, 1948 before he graduated. And he also taught himself how to play the bass drum in the band to make sure he could get into the game for free. And so that kind of brought, that started a lifelong love affair for dad. Um, he passed away in 07, but, you know, one of the last uh, cogent moments that we had together was the 2007 Auburn-Florida game. So if you, if you, if you ask me at what point, what's your favorite Auburn f- football game, that might come up among several others, obviously. But that's a special one to me that we got to watch before we passed away. Um, he started taking me over there. Uh, my first uh, Auburn football game was 1969, the uh, Alabama game in, in Legion Field. Connie Frederick faked a punt uh, and, and ran it uh, 84 yards, but it was really 99 with the 15 for the snap. Um, and, you know, I was, I was hooked ever since. There was never a doubt 
Uh, my brother and sister both went to Auburn. They graduated in the fall of 82. I went to Auburn and, uh, uh, we were friends with, uh, David Housel when David, uh, put me on in the sports information office as an intern. And I had a lot of fun. I had too much fun and I ended up coming home. <laughs> I ended up, I ended up coming home in 1983 because I, I spent too much time doing that and too much time doing things that had nothing to do with being a college student and learn the hard way. So I came home and went to AUM with the idea of I'll turn around and go right back as soon as I get my grades up. But I got a job at the advertiser as a sports writer, as a part-timer, as a a person who'd cover high school games and answer the phone and take down uh, stuff to put in the paper. And I ended up staying. I stayed there uh, for 14 years. Uh, That was my full-time profession for 14 years and covered a lot of Auburn football games, covered the Auburn beat um, from part of 86, 7, 8, and 9. So a lot of those games, uh, you know, the, a lot of the incredible games that they played in that period, the uh, Tillman reverse game, I covered it. The, uh, um, the, the tie against Syracuse, I covered it. Uh, you know, the, the, the earthquake game. And I've got a story about that. Um, you know, covered that and, you know, in everything in between football and basketball home and away. So, I mean, that was part of it. And then, uh, in the spring of 97, I realized that uh, I didn't want to be in the newspaper business any longer because I thought it would mean I would have to leave this area. And at that point, my mother was very ill and uh, and she would ultimately pass that year. And I wanted to uh, be able to spend more time with my family, with my kids, because they were, they were little at that point. And uh, so I, I left and I got to be a fan again. So, I mean, for, from, you know, 1969 as a, as a five-year-old, until 1983 you know, or four, I was a I was a hardcore fan. Got got into my newspaper world, and I had to kind of set the fandom aside to be a objective observer. And I was. I mean, I you know I didn't get up and down on the wins and losses. But when 1997 came, and I walked out the building at the end of uh, I guess it was the end of May 1997, I said, Hey, I get to be a fan again. And so that was, I mean, and and I got to share that with my kids. And, you know, thinking of the, of the games that we got to go to and the phone calls that we have and the texts that I have with my, my son and my daughter during games and how we ah, get all wound up about everything. Um, it's a family thing. And, you know, and, and everybody talks about Auburn family and it's a real thing. It's a real thing within families. And it's a collective thing that, that people share a shared experience. I mean, my wife and I got in my pickup truck last Saturday and said, let's just go for a ride. Where did we go? We ended up driving to Auburn. Why? Just, I don't know. They just, it's like the pool was there, had to drive down College Street up to Toomer's Corner, past Sanford Hall, see all the people, see everything that was going on. And it was just, it was a very centering experience um, to say, you know, hey, this is something that's been important to us, to our family. And yeah. you know, both of our kids ended up going there and graduating. And, you know, they're, my daughter's teaching her daughter how to say War Eagle, and it's kind of like, whoa, at this point. But she's just 15 months old. We're, you know, it's, it's, it's a step-by-step process. We'll get Absolutely. there. I love that you brought up that it's a family thing, and I think, honestly, that's what it always goes back to for us as Auburn fans is that, uh, you know, it sounds cliche. It sounds a little corny at times, but it, there's a real basis, a real foundation built upon that. And I, and I think if I may jump back in your story a little bit to the very beginning, you mentioned your father right off the bat and you know, so many people that I talk to it's, they mentioned their mother, their father, their aunt, their uncle, someone in their family started sharing with them about Auburn, whether it was they handed them a football or they told them, let me tell you about this story of this time I I was visiting Auburn or I went to school there. And you mentioned your dad 
And can you remember like any of the fun like stories or anything that he sure. would share with you? Uh, several things that, that jump out to me. I mean, obviously uh, we would go to games and, and this was before there was even an upper deck at all in the stadium. I mean, it was just the enclosed bottom bowl and you could park fairly close to the stadium. I mean, basically where the arena is now, there were like streets and, and, and other little buildings and you could park around there and you could take a Nerf football and throw, you know, throw the football back and forth and then go into the game and, and you know, and, and watch it. And, and, and it wasn't, I mean, the tailgating wasn't nearly as formal as it is now. I mean, it was literally open up your trunk, pull out a cooler that had ham sandwiches, Coca-Cola and Golden Flakes and eat that and then go in and then watch the game and come home. Um, but, you know, I, I think of other things. I mean, a lot of that, a lot of this is also, is not even on the campus, not even the game. Uh, the punt, bam, a punt game. This is one of my favorites. Um, I was, uh, I was at the house. Uh, dad was raking leaves at our, the house I grew up in. And there was a ton of them. We had a ton of trees and we're raking and we're raking. And I'm like, well, I'm in third grade and I'm, I'm not really interested in any of this. And this, the, I'm just dying with every possession because we can't get anything going. We're getting beat. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Because it was already horrible after last year, after Sullivan and Beasley got beat so badly in 71. And so I, I give up. I mean, I just, I go down to the street to my friend's house and we're throwing the football and we're throwing the football. And then all of a sudden I hear this just insane screaming. And I went, that sounds like that's coming from my house. And so I look, I kind of get down to the edge of the street and there was a big old pile of leaves and dad's just slinging them up in the air, screaming <laughs> and hollering. So me and my buddy, David, we just take off sprinting like crazy men. And it's like, you know, you, you think it, it it's like houses, but you're acting like you're running three miles. I and mean, it's like the most arduous run ever. And we get there and he's screaming and hollering. We just blocked the second punt. And, you know, and he's just going crazy and he can't even speak. He's, he's laughing and yelling so loud. But I get there in time to hear the extra point. I do hear that. And, uh, and so then we, uh, you know, we, we end up winning the game. We stop him. Uh, David Langner, who scored the touchdowns, actually had an interception after that to ice the game. And it was just, oh, he, he thought that was the greatest day ever, and it was. And we had a big cookout that night because we were all excited. And, um, you know, it's just things like that. And then, you know, the, the, the sad thing of that is, is we don't beat Alabama again until I'm a freshman in college. Mm. And that's like the dark ages, you know, because you go back, you went back, go back to your original question. Is Montgomery an, an Auburn area or an Alabama area? I didn't have many friends that were Auburn fans because the kids I went to school with were all Alabama fans. So for nine years, it's just like, you know, just getting pounded every day, every year about this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, I get to Auburn, and it's my freshman year, and I, uh, you know, in my history class, I had several football players. I, my roommates were in Army ROTC, so they taught me into taking the 101 class. Well, it was the entire signing class, except for Bo. I don't know why. Bo didn't take it. But, I mean, it was like, you know, 17 or 18 foot freshman football players in there. I think it was because the class was easy. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, and you think about the foundation they built and then winning that game in Birmingham, you know, uh, ending the streak. And that night I was going back to Auburn, but I drove home to see my dad first. We, you know, we, I, I made the guys I was riding with, so we got to go by my memory first on the way. We're not going 280. We're going to go 65, 85. So I can go hug my dad. Yeah. And, you know, just because it was just, it was so cathartic. 
Um, you know, my childhood was, was listening to games on the radio if we weren't there, you know, basketball games on the radio. And it was not like we had a stereo system. I had a clock radio in my bedroom. And he would sit at the table. My, my mother had uh, painted this desk that was kind of like where I'd do my homework. And he'd sit there drumming on it because he, he wrote a lot, and a typewriter. So he'd act like he was typing or just nervous habit of drumming. And I would shoot Nerf basketballs um, the whole time while these basketball games were going on. And it was just, that's how I was raised. And it, we lived and died with every possession. You know, if it was a turnover, we'd groan. Or if it was a basket, we'd cheer, yell, and holler. And that's just kind of, you know – Maybe everybody's experience was like that. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But it, 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 was, our, it was our experience. And, um, you know, my brother and sister were a little bit older than me. They were well, actually a lot, 11 years and nine years. So, I mean, it was like from third grade on, it was just me and him and mom in the house anyway. And she, I mean, she liked it, but, you know, she, it wasn't anything that she got wound up about. It was, uh, it was just something that dad and I shared and, you know, for the, for the rest of our time together. Let me tell you the part that I resonate with perfectly there is you describing your dad jumping in the leaves and throwing them up because now I know that I shouldn't be ashamed that my dad act just as ridiculous about oh, Auburn football. Games. You know, I, believe me, as as much as I adored your dad, I, I you know, I, I, I the behaviors the behaviors ran you know very very uh, um, very clear and very close. I would yeah. say. And I would uh, have to admit that I probably exhibit a few more of those behaviors than I should. So you know, just a little admitting of my own flaws you know, here. We can't control who our family is. Exactly. You can't stop genetics. You cannot stop genetics. Uh, but that's great. And speaking of genetics, you know, I, I, your synopsis of your kind of story there at the beginning, you know, you mentioned your dad had been part of the Plainsman. Um, and then you got into some uh, career with sports writing and journalism. Did that play a role in it, that your dad's history with that? Or was yeah, that just something I mean, you fell into? I spent, um, I mean, 60 years in that business, essentially. And, uh, and actually, the, my brother and sister got journalism degrees, and I didn't, but I'm the one that ended up doing it for longer than, than they did. Uh, you know, when you were a kid, you know, my dream was to uh, – I wanted to be the sports editor of the Montgomery Advertiser because I thought that was like the greatest job ever. I, I went to a Montgomery Rebels baseball game and dad took me up into the perch that was the press box. And there was this old guy sitting up there and I'm like, who's that? And he goes, well, that's the sports editor of the Montgomery Advertiser. And he's like, I'm like, he gets paid to come here and watch baseball. I'm like, yeah, this is a pretty cool gig. I want that. And I mean, I was like, you know, seven and that was the job I wanted. And, you know, and then you always have dreams of, well, maybe one day I could write for Sports Illustrated or so-and-so. And uh, I was never that talented. You know, I guess, you know, <clears throat> one thing the good Lord made me was kind of self-aware that, um, you know, I, I was going to go to a certain level. And, you know, the, the things that are important to you, you know, you know, change, you know, as you get older. And uh, I wouldn't trade the experience of having done that and got to – I mean, I got to cover a lot of exciting things, NCAA tournaments, the Masters, um, you know, and then things as crazy as a turkey calling contest. I mean, it just, you know, you, you kind of run the gamut and all of that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely wouldn't trade the experiences I've had since then. You know, my, my kids were very fortunate. My son was at Auburn uh, 2009 through the 2013 season. He took, a, he took a red shirt year, and he got the 2013 on the back end of wow. it. And my, and my daughter was there. Uh, 2012 was her freshman year, which got that out of her system. And then, you know, it got better after that. She finished, I guess, uh, uh, 15 was her last fall and, and graduated in 16. So, I mean, they were both there for some really exciting times. And, uh, you know, so I, I cherish that for them. And, 
and, and get a kick out of that. I mean, she would, you know, send me texts from player, you know, what players she had classes with and, and, you know, my son, the same thing though. Not, not many, uh, not many of the players were in engineering classes with me. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few, but not that many. Not, I mean, few, not many. You know, not, not as many. I mean, they, they, you know, that's kind of a, he was in, he was uh, in software engineering. That was more of a, uh, a highly technical uh, area, but um, you know, it, the thing about it, you know, it, as you, as you, you know, transition from little kid looking up college age person going through it to, as you get older and watch it, you, you see it where everybody is in their journey on this. And, you know, how, how they react to things, uh, you know, and, and I have, you know, I mentioned my two siblings, they each had three boys um, and all six of them were maniacal Auburn fans. They, you know, they're the same way. Um, they, uh, and five of them graduated from Auburn when I'm uh, graduated from Sanford and, you know, probably kicks himself every now and then that he didn't get Auburn, but, you know, I had a, had an opportunity to go there and they're the same way. I mean, you know, we, We'll send texts or Facebook messages or whatever and, you know, fuss about something or, you know, fuss about this call or want to know, you know, is Gus going to run up the middle 14 straight times today? <laughs> or are we going to, you know, we're going to you know, take the cover off the offense or, you know, are we get, you know, man, if Derek Brown could have kept his feet, you know, whatever. Oh, pick, man. You know, pick the, pick the moment. It's always, you know, it always comes back to something like that with us. You hurt me with that last one because I was there in the swamp this past season for Derek Brown tripping over his own. I mean, literally, we said there was a sniper in the stands that took him out. Like, it just – the man had all kinds of open grass, and you just asked the question, what if that had been a touchdown? And You know, there's there's been so many times, and, 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 you know, and maybe that's part of the Auburn experience too, is that you tend to view the, the what ifs of, of so many different things. I mean, I think about it when – um, you know, the, the teams that I covered, that 88 team, I mean, if LSU obviously scored that touchdown on fourth down in the earthquake, mm-hmm. um, but they converted four fourth downs on the final drive, yeah. four fourth downs. I'm like, who does that? And, and the thing about that, uh, the, I guess the story I was going to tell was because it was a night game, I had to be prepared to hit send on my computer or my laptop as soon as the game was over. So I'd written this story about this heroic Auburn win, um, you know, that they had, they had, you know, played incredible defense, won six to nothing. And I'm just sitting here waiting to hit send. So the game, you know, when the game's over and they start driving and I'm like, this is going to be a problem. This is going to be, you know, basically having to sit there and hit delete and rewrite again immediately. It was just like, Ugh. And, and you knew that that was a big night. Um, you know, and hey, I was in Pasadena, so I know the you know the the the, the almost there, but you know I didn't get to go to Glendale, and I hate that. But uh, but I I was in the room I'm in now, my my den where I watch ball games, and me and my son were in here. My and my wife can't watch the games with me because I get too wound up. She'll go <laughs> in the other room with her daughter, and you know we but we went out and rolled our little tree in the yard, and uh, and it was just a special night to share. You know, again to share that and, and to you know to celebrate it. And I was, and I was thinking about it because it, you know, I was got on YouTube and, and I'll switch over to basketball for a minute. The uh, uh, Auburn Tennessee SEC championship game from 19 popped into my feed and I'm like, I was here by myself and, and you, I mean, I was just, you would have thought I was around 15,000 people. I was high-fiving invisible people and screaming and hollering and coaching and officiating and doing everything you could do. And, um, and it's just because we enjoy the games, but yep. more than we enjoy the 
the, you know, the identification and the, and the kinship of it all. And I think that's the great thing about uh, the Auburn family as well is, you know, football and basketball and even baseball are always going to be that bread and butter, but we get so excited about anything, you know, sports wise, you know, I remember, what was it two seasons ago, maybe one season ago, the Auburn equestrian team was going down to the last ride and I'm trying to get Twitter feed updates like frantically like hold on don't talk to me i got to find out who if they won this last ride because it's coming down to this i mean it doesn't matter what it is i couldn't tell you how you score you know you know it is staying on the horse the the meter or you know whatever it doesn't matter but you know if they if they're keeping score you want to win exactly it's like the the golf uh, a few years ago winning the sec championship Mm -hmm. and you know and and then you meet people who know people or you you're aware of someone on the team through a, a, a relationship that you may have and, and, you, and you, you follow them, you mm-hmm. know, uh, like in baseball a couple of years ago, I've never met Davis Daniel, but he went to St. James and that's where I went and that's where my kids went. So I was like, well, Hey, I'm a Davis Daniel fan because right. just because of that. And uh, you know, so you get kind of emotionally invested that way. And the other thing is, is the immediacy of it all. Um, you know, again, talking about when I was a kid, there was like one game on a week and Auburn might be on TV two times a year. Now you can watch on your on this laptop football game, basketball game, baseball game, softball game, and you know a number of gymnastics meets. I mean, it just you can consume all of this to the point where now all of a sudden you you know you're not just an Auburn football fan anymore. And you know and and I and I've. Um, I've had season tickets to football. I do have season tickets to basketball, so I'm going a bunch to those those two. Um, <clears throat> but you know, hey, now I can watch them. You know, sit in my recliner and watch all this stuff. Yeah. It's 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 an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing. Um, you know, my wife might question it sometimes, but I mean, you know, <laughs> but I have you know I have the op- the opportunities to to consume it uh, a lot more. And, you know, and the, and the other thing is, is with, with social media, we have the ability to talk about it more, you know, well, like we're doing right now or get on a message board or post on Facebook or tweet or whatever. It's, it's a, you know, it's outgrowth of the explosion of, of technology and, and how we communicate uh, with each other. And, and yeah. it's a good thing and it's a bad thing too. I mean, it, I, can know, be. it cuts both ways and, you know, and it's interesting because of my newspaper background, um, I remember when we first got the internet at the newspaper and it was like the Holy of Holies. I mean, you had to go up to this book and sign in where you, what time you got on, where you were going and sign out when you were done. I mean, I'm hmm. sure they could attract it, but it was just very, it was like one computer that had access. Now they had uh, satellite feeds of information from the Associated Press. So we, you know, you gather all the scores and the box scores of baseball games and football games and basketball games and the like. But then but you could do different kind of research that you'd never really been able to do before unless you went to a library. And, you know, kids today, they don't know anything about libraries. I mean, this is their library in front of them um, instead of going to a card catalog and pulling something out. And, right. and, and all this has just led to an immediacy and to a um, ability to get more information more than ever and, and act upon it yeah. for good or for ill. <laughs> It is sometimes interesting to hear people who have lived through these explosions, uh, whether it's technology, culture, or anything like that, and see their perspectives. And you've had a very interesting perspective on that, being as uh, working in the Montgomery Advertiser and kind of, like you said, you saw the beginning of the internet there. <laughs> I'm sure that helped you in some ways, but as time has gone on. Well, I mean, it's just different. I mean, and, and obviously, 
you know, it's, I guess it's sad when you pick up a, a literal newspaper now and see that it's a shadow of what it used to be. You know, when we were kid, when I was a kid, um, you know, we, we call it a two, a two paper Sunday if Auburn won and Alabama lost. Cause you, you know, you go get the Birmingham news too. So you can read everything about, you know, both games that you yeah. know, the one that you liked and the one that you didn't like and glad they got beat. I mean, that's right. just kind of what you did and how you, how you did things. And, you know, now we've got several websites that are totally dedicated to it. I mean, you, you, know, you got your rivals, you got your 24 seven, you got all sorts of things. You, then you've got, you know, the, 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 the space that you're occupying. There's just so many different ways to learn more, talk more, uh, and, um, consume more than than ever before and, and it's not changing it's clearly not changing absolutely and, and since we're actually talking about things of the past let's jump back one more time in your story to your two years is that correct you spent at auburn was it two years or uh about a year basically okay. i was in 82 and 83 so yeah give me uh your perspective of that you know I, you're not the first one to say they had to kind of leave auburn a little bit yeah. earlier than they planned to and you well, won't I mean, be the last <laughs> you know uh, you wouldn't recognize i mean you know uh, if if I walked out of my apartment, which was, um, it was Arcadia Apartments on Opelika Road um, next to the old Guthrie's, if you know there. Yes. Kind of there at Opelika Road and uh, Mm -hmm. Gay Street. Um, There was an apartment complex next to that. I could crawl out of my apartment window and and go to Guthrie's. Jealous. No, wait. (laughs) Now I'm really going to blow your mind. Guthrie's served fish fingers and hamburgers in 1982 and 83. What? Yes, this is true. I, you know, I'm, I'm not making this up. You could get fish fingers, which I never had. The burgers were all right. But, I mean, okay. the chicken fingers were the store. They figured that out, got rid of the other stuff pretty shortly thereafter. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was uh, so much, you know, the Haley Center was Haley Center. I mean, people were you know, <laughs> still people lost there, probably freshmen from the class of 82 that are, you know, like got turned around and, and never emerged from uh from one of the quadrants. Um, but, you know, I'll think of all the things that, that have been built. I mean, like the hotel that was not there downtown, the hotel conference center, all the, all the buildings, um, you know, just amazing. I mean, you go down Magnolia. I mean, if you go down Magnolia from Toomer's corner towards uh, Donahue, I mean, those were old buildings there. They were not the ones that are there now. I mean, particularly the business building, the Shelby center. Um, it was a lot smaller. I mean, uh, you know, there was probably uh, maybe 60% of the enrollment that there is now. It was, it was below 20,000 total. Um, you know, we parking, you know, you had D parking and, and you were out on the edge. I never, I just walked. It was just as easy for me to, to, to get up and walk and go to class. And it was otherwise, I mean, we didn't have Auburn arena, didn't have the uh, <clears throat> East side upper deck, um, you know, just all sorts of, you know, all sorts of things. The, uh, you know, the, the barn that was there that burned during the LSU game, that's where they played intramural basketball. Um, just, just things like that. I mean, and it was, uh, and I guess kids are, you know, are a little different now than they were then, but, um, but they weren't too different. I mean, they were just, everybody was there trying to find themselves and figure out what they were going to do and what they were going to be with their lives and still try to have fun. And, um, you know, Coach Dye was just getting going. I mean, it was his second year when I got there. And and it was obvious, you could tell that there was a new um, a new vigor that was there. I mean, Auburn had been kind of beaten flat during the 70s. I mean, they had a couple of good teams. I mean, obviously the 74 team, uh, Coach Jordan's 
Next to last year was a really good team. There was one really good team. Uh, I guess it was 78. Charlie Trotman was the quarterback. Um, and But other than that, it was just, you know, there was just a, a lot of struggling. I mean, they would – in in the 1980 uh, – the, uh, Doug Barfield's last year that they were they were five and six, but went zero and six in the league. You only played six conference games, and so you would play. Uh, um, you know, you'd have an interesting schedule. I mean, my uh, freshman year, Auburn played Nebraska at home, and and that was that was a, that was an interesting game. You know, my story from that is is that uh, from that game when I was that fall when I at football games I worked in the press box. But with a few minutes to go in the game, I would go to the field, and my job was to go to the locker room into Coach Dye's locker room, his little office inside the locker room that he had, and get on the phone with the press box to get the stats of the game and write them down and hand them to him. So he, when he would be interviewed by Jim Fife and Pat Sullivan, who were doing the broadcast then, um, you know, kind of talk about the game, say, well, you know, we had six penalties, and that's not good, or, we, you know, we, we were uh, – we held them to three of 15 on third down. That's a good thing. So I did that for the home games. Well, that Nebraska game, it was a seven to seven game late in the half. I mean, it was you know, back and forth. Auburn was, you could tell Auburn was hanging on for dear life that Nebraska was a really talented team. And Nebraska scored, made it 14 to seven, and then they just killed Auburn in the second half. I mean, it was one of the first times I'd ever really seen it. From the press box view, you could see the line of scrimmage move. Because, I mean, Nebraska had, uh, uh, Dave Remington, the Remington Trophy, uh, Dean Steinkiller. I mean, they were just pushing the pile and get in that room. And I'm like, oh, no, Coach Dyson going to come in here. He's going to be just furious. And so I'm sitting there. I've taken all the info down. I wait for him to come in. He just comes in, grabs it. And he gets on the headsets. And, and they haven't gone on the air yet. They're in a commercial break. And he just says, Pat, I'd have never believed they'd done that to us. And he was very calm. I mean, he was just like, it tells me we got a lot of work to do. And they did. I mean, they ended up that year going with nine and three. Um, next year, won the SEC. Uh, you know, and just all the all the things that kind of got started in that era. Just you could tell. And and he was a. I mean, he was he was a young coach. He was in his early forties at that. I guess mid forties at that point. And you could tell just the the energy just oozed from him. I mean, just the toughness and the uh, the the. You know, the, he had a had an idea of where he was going and where he wanted to take things, and it was it was kind of a it was a fun time to watch things happen. Hey, Auburn fans! I want to take a quick timeout from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there, and best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. 
Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. Not that there's not a certain time in Auburn that's not special, but there are these certain moments and eras and time there that I really think define uh, the sports part of it, the campus life, the town. And you talked a lot about how, you know, the other upper deck wasn't up yet. You know, the barn was still not burned down at that point. Uh, You know, it, it seems like you were there in a time where there was a little bit of transition, a, a major part of transition, not just in maybe buildings and space. You know, we, we talk about things today, and I, and I may mention this somewhere. When I was a senior in high school, Jackie Sherrill got hired at Texas A&M to be the coach. He had been at Pittsburgh and won, uh, and they had come off a national championship, and, and he had not won one, but he had done extremely well. And A&M hired him, and he became the first million-dollar football coach. That's not a million dollars a year. That's just the, the contract was worth a million dollars for like four years or five years. And it was like almost two million. It's like a 1.7 over four or five years. So he's going to get paid $400,000 a year. And people thought, oh, this is, you know, well, this is incredible. We can't have this. This is the end of the world. Now we're paying coaches, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten million million a year for one year. I mean, just think about how all of this is just like blown out the, the back end in essentially, you know, 35 years, 30 years, 35, or, you know, closer to 40, if you go count to 80, but I mean, it's really taken off in the past 20. Um, and it's a big money deal. It is a huge money deal. And, and, you know, we talk about building football facilities and we talk about building all these things and, and these things cost money, but people like to win and people, you know, demand excellence and they demand things and, and things cost money. And, and, and that's, I mean, it's, it's really neat to go to places and see how fancy the facilities are, but you also, you know, when you step back, you think, Ooh, you know, that we're, we're almost losing a little of the, the the romantic, you know, and and maybe that's just the old guy in me speaking because, you know, you just kind of sense, Man, that's that's not the way it used to be. But 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 you know, the other thing is is that the football that they're playing now is just so much better. It's fun. It's <laughs> funny to watch these old clips and these old games, and watch a quarterback try to throw a fifteen yard out. It looks like it's a it's like a, a dead a, duck. A, a, <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> it takes ten minutes to get over there. I'm like, man, alive. Um, Igbenogany would have intercepted it six times and run it back uh, five of them by the time that ball got there. That, that so, is true. And the yeah. game has definitely shifted and changed a lot of the years. But I would say that there are some things that the the old ways and the old times, they they did things a lot better, I think. They, they played a lot, I won't say tougher, but it was a different degree of toughness because, you know, you're playing with less padding, you're playing with not as sophisticated equipment and things. And there was there was a degree of fearlessness that I think not has not been lost. It was just different than the time. It was was different. I'll say it's different. You know, the thing, but you know, the one things that are the two things that haven't changed about football is that it will always, always, always be about blocking and tackling. Because mm-hmm. you can't block, you're not going to score. And if you can't tackle, you're not going to stop somebody from scoring. And that's how football's played. I mean, it's about, about scoring. And so that's why, you know, that's why I've always, you know, we got to recruit good offensive linemen, got to have good offensive linemen. And, you know, thankfully we've had good defenses. And the, the continuity, particularly that they've had for so many years now, 
with Steele and Rodney Garner coaching the defensive line. That that's a good thing. It seemed like Rodney was a guy that I covered. I mean, he was on the team when I was covering him. And, you know, he was a, you know, and he was just a he was an offensive lineman and he was a good one. I mean, it was like, this is a tough dude. And he is he hadn't changed. I mean, he is the same tough dude as, as he was as a player. Now he's just coaching kids and, and he does it well. So this is a question I want to ask you next, and you kind of brought it up there with you've seen a lot of things. And I think the Rodney Garner situation there is a great example. You saw him as a player. Now he's a coach. You've seen a lot of things change in Auburn, as we've already brought up. So how does Auburn, as it quickly continues to grow, change, adapt, still maintain that small town feel? It still is a small town, but I think, you know, if you take me back to my year, my graduation year, yeah. It's changed I mean, and grown so much. So how does it stay the same? It changed in six months. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's crazy. Uh, it's about people and it's about relationships and it's about um, uh, the, the, when you go to a game, you generally go with the same people. You generally see the same people. And that's as much as a part of the deal as, as the location itself. And, you know, so as long as you keep those ties together, you know, they can build another building. They can, you know, add another uh, layer of luxury onto something. It's not going to change it because of the relationship you have with your friend your, or your family member that you, that you go to games with. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in that window now. In a, in a few years, my granddaughter will be able to go to games. And that'll be cool to be able to see it again through little eyes because I remember seeing how my two kids looked at it when they were little. I mean, you know, they were like six and three and we would take them to a game and, and, and how wide eyed they'd get. I remember uh, the 2003 Alabama game. My daughter and wife were on a cruise with her dance team. And so my son and I were batching it at home and we went over for the game. And my sister's niece was a tigerette and saw us, knew us, saw us, waved to us. She grabbed my son and took him inside the ropes at Tiger Walk up by the stadium. And so he's like in the middle of them as they're coming in. And and Cadillac chest bumps him and knocks him down. Because, I mean, he's like, he was 13, but, I mean, you would have thought he was 10 because he was so small. And chest bumps him and takes him down and, and picks him back up. And, and my son's just, like, grinning, like, from ear to ear. I've got a picture somewhere of him just looking in awe, kind of upward, as these guys are coming by and high-fiving him and the whole bit. And, you know, that's – and not everybody gets to experience that, but everybody's got something kind of like that that, that – goes and goes a bunch I, I think there's a lot of stories like that and i'm not saying that auburn's got some exclusive thing where there's this i mean I, i've got friends that are you know alabama fans that 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 have gone every weekend or so many weekends forever and, and if i know folks that have gone um to you know to to mississippi state and the same thing that they've had this long uh deep and abiding tie and you know and i've been to two or three other you know i've been to several places um, you know, road games. I think of going up to Kansas State and seeing people there, and you know how they reacted, and you know up to Missouri in, in seventeen, and there was nobody there. And it was like, I was, I was, maybe they don't care in Missouri, but it was, uh, you know, <clears throat> there. You are who you are, and you, you know, your your experience is, you know, who you are, and it's just our ours. Ours seems to mean a lot to us, and that's okay. 
Yeah. It just, if I may steal the SEC slogan, it just means more to us on a different level. I think it does. I mean, yeah. it clearly it does. We've got bigger stadiums, bigger crowds, more, you know, we sell more um, T-shirts and, and hats and, and posters and paintings and, and, and whatever else, you know, that, uh, yeah. that, that comes out. We talked a lot intermittently about your time at the Montgomery Advertiser. If you had to pinpoint your favorite like game that you ever wrote about or covered, what what would it be? Uh, well, that the 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 Tillman reverse game, the Iron Bowl in 90, 1986 was my first one. So I guess that one's that that will always kind of you know the first time I got to write the story with my name on it uh, for an Iron Bowl would be would be a you know a, a great one. Um, you know, there are games where you felt like you wrote a great story. Um, one of them would have been uh, Georgia Tech in 87. Uh, if you listen to the Jim Fife highlights tape, the Tillman, Tillman, Tillman game, they played just horribly that game. They really didn't play well at all, and Georgia Tech was not very good. <clears throat> they were behind late, drove the length of the field, and it was really an incredible pass that Jeff Berger made. He just threw a bullet up high in the back of the end zone, and Tillman just like, pops up like a pogo and, and, you know, he's on a pogo stick and grabs it between two guys, <clears throat> scores a touchdown. Right after that, Georgia Tech gets the ball out to midfield, last play of the game. Andre Bruce from here in Montgomery, crazy guy, just funny, crazy guy. Andre bats the ball. The quarterback throws a pass. Andre bats it up in the air, catches it runs out the back of the end zone. I mean, keeps going, runs out of the end zone and out of the stadium towards the locker room because they, they didn't have an enclosed stadium at that point. It was just like a tunnel in the corner. And he just bared over there, went into the locker room. Vic Irving from WSFA was the videographer for the Auburn Football Review. Vic didn't even know they'd scored to go ahead. <clears throat> he was in there set up for the coach to come in here and, and do the moaning and groaning speech. And Andre comes tearing in the locker room with the football and he just falls down at Vic's feet. And Vic's looking down at him like, what are you doing? And he's, and Andre's just heaving and he's hyperventilating because he's worn out and excited and finds out that, you know, Auburn had scored twice in, you know, 20 seconds to win the game when they were down like 10 to seven. And, and I felt like I wrote a great story and, and, and that was just a, a fun one. Had great trips, uh, you know, the bowl games, uh, I was there for the tie, which was a weird game. I was there for the Florida State loss after the 88 season, um, you know, and uh, trying to think of another group. There was, some, there was some really good games with Georgia in there as well. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I've just uh, – it, it was a lot of fun. And, and, and really one in, 90, <clears throat> in 93, I was actually in sport. I was in news. I would moved to the news section for a while but they wanted me to write a front page story about the pageantry of the game. And so I took a friend of mine who lived, uh, um, who, who drove up from Montgomery, I guess, and, and met me at my house and we dumped and we drove over and he hung out with me the whole day and he was finding out stuff and he was like setting up interviews for me. And I was just laughing and got a big kick out of it. And it was your dad. <laughs> it was Keith and I going over <clears throat> and, uh, and he was just, you know, he had a blast. And, you know, when, when the game time came, he went in the stands and sat and watched. And, and uh, but then, then he waited for me when it was over, rode back. And, you know, I had several trips that I went with him, I guess, to Georgia a couple of times and just had a lot of fun with him. And, and that game was a lot of fun to write about. You know, it was an exciting day. The, the team that went 11-0 and that wasn't on TV and, 
just, you know, that after, after everything that had happened with the Eric Ramsey stuff to, to bounce back from that, that was, that was a fun game to cover as well. You know, I think that's probably what makes the Auburn story uh, so much more interesting and, and more special to us is the fact that we've had so many valleys and yet we've bounced back. And, and I think that's, that's not what just, Auburn does. You exactly. Know, Auburn doesn't do, you know, steady. Auburn's going to go one to extreme to the other. Yeah. I was it that, uh, uh, Spencer Hall, I don't know if you read Spencer, but every day should be Saturday and some of the other stuff, basically said Auburn is the ultimate team of chaos, either 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 for good or for ill. Auburn is, is the agent of chaos in college football, and it's hard to argue that. Yeah. And if you think about you know, 2012 to 2013, 2008 to 2010, and you know, all of that, you know, just all the, the crazy things that happened to get to both of those places. And I think it makes us value the mountaintop a little bit more because we've seen the valley several times, and it's yeah. it's not pretty. Well, you know, and I and I still wear the scars of my childhood of you know losing to Alabama every year, and and, and just some really bad teams in the mid seventies when yeah. you know when I'm I'm like twelve years old, and they're just like oh you know, but never give up, never give up. Never give up. Well, real quick, let's see, where are you doing now? You know, we talked a lot about where you're still in Montgomery. I, I am a, a contract lobbyist. I, I help uh, help companies and associations in the legislative process in Montgomery. I've been doing that for about uh, eight years. I was a state employee. I worked for the uh, one of the state departments uh, as, a, as an administrator and uh, governmental liaison. Um, been doing that for, like I said, about eight years. It's been, it's been wonderful. It's great flexibility. And um, I'm in an office with uh, <clears throat> one Auburn fan and two Alabama fans and we, and we, we deal with each other. <laughs> now, how does that work in government work? How do you keep that separate? And you know, <laughs> uh, everybody knows who everybody is and everybody will give each other the business. I mean, it's, you know, everybody twists each other, the knife in each other on, on a, on a, um, on a Monday after a ball game. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's what we do. I mean, particularly here, I mean, cause of, because of the, uh, the prevalence of both teams fans that, that there's always, there's always some good knife twisting on Mondays. Yeah. Working in the government is interesting enough in itself, but when you throw the aspect of Auburn, Alabama, and just it, college sports in general into the mix, it gets even more interesting, I'm sure, especially on a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about this? I like to always ask my guests at the, towards the end of sharing their story, some rapid fire questions. Now they're not, they're not so rapid fire, rapid fire, because you might want to explain yourself. I don't know. We'll find out. Got about 12 of those for you. It'll be about maybe something like this or that, or choose your favorite. This, if you're ready for those, we'll knock those out right now. All right. Question number one, orange or blue. Duh. Blue. (laughs) Now, why is that a duh? I'm a big guy. Big guys don't wear orange. I've always, I've always liked blue's my favorite color. It's always been my favorite color. I don't look good in orange. You're what not was, the first uh, person to give you that. Blind side, what's your face? Uh, Tui, uh, Sandra Book said orange wasn't in her color wheel. She yes. wouldn't wear orange. Well, I mean, I, I have orange stuff, but I prefer the orange. And I and I'm an anti-orange jersey guy. So if you just go ahead and get that out of the way. Oh wow, I got I know uh, an Auburn uniform guy that would have some uh, issues with that. I think. <laughs> uh, question number two. Obby or War Eagle? Oh man, you can't make a choice on that. I'm going to push for it though. I'm going to I'm going to see what, what if you had to choose one. Um, no, <laughs> you can't make me. <laughs> well, I can, but uh, I'd like uh, to see I, if you. Can I love them both. I mean, you know, my 
I've got I've got a I've got an Albie over here, and you know I've got uh, got a picture somewhere with the with Nova. Um, you know th- that's kind of it's those are great traditions, both of them. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Albie when is um, cartoon until what about forty years ago, and then you know my my friend Barry Mask being the first Albie, and uh, that was kind of kind of neat. Um, you know the. Uh, I remember covering a football game at Mississippi State where Albie got kicked out of the stadium because he was <laughs> he was misbehaving. Albie commandeered a uh, four wheeler, and they had used to have an open end zone. <clears throat> One of the end zones was open, and Albie was driving it around, and they they grabbed him, you know, and he wouldn't return it, and so the security kicked Albie out of the game, <laughs> made him leave. Um, and then there's nothing, you know, the, watching the Eagle fights just just like so it. amazing every every Saturday. I'm hearing a little bit of a lean towards Obby, so I think I'll put you in that camp. Just, just kind I don't of as put a, anyone. <laughs> he says that not, did not say that. Both sides. <laughs> that is a great government answer if I've ever heard yeah. one. <laughs> Question number three: the Auburn fight song or glory, glory to all Auburn? Oh, a fight song. A bunch of them had the a bunch of them had glory to all Auburn. The fight song is hers. You know, there's something about glory, glory to all Auburn, though. I know other people do it and have a similar thing, but like, you can't spell out Georgia well with that. Like, it, you have to like slow it down to do Georgia. Like, yeah, Auburn, it just they flows. need to slow a lot of things down, you know. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, 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 decidedly, yeah. Decidedly, that. I'll play it on Alexa for my granddaughter every now and then. Question number four Your favorite Auburn athletics program? Might be easy. I don't know. Wow. Ah, football and basketball. Okay. Football and basketball. Yeah. Uh, and I've loved basketball really for, you know, a long time. That's not just because of Bruce Pearl, even though I think he's been the most wonderful thing ever. I mean, it, this just goes back to the 1970s, even with Eddie Johnson and Mike Mitchell and Stan Petkovich and guys like that, that I used to listen to on AM 1440 on a clock radio. Um, but uh, love them both. Yeah, number five, your favorite Auburn athlete. Favorite Auburn athlete of all time. Of all time. Uh, <clears throat> the easy answer is Bo. I mean, he's just, you know, the, he, such an, an incredible athlete. Uh, my side uh, co-number one, 1A, is Quentin Riggins, friend of mine. Love Quentin Riggins. Quentin Riggins. Uh, I covered him when he was a high school player at Lee High School. Love the story that uh, he went on his official visit to Auburn and Saturday afternoon late came along and his dad said, well, we got to go. Quentin's got to go to work. And Quentin went back and went home and went to work. And he got that job because his dad took him to McDonald's for lunch one day and told him he was staying and he was working and that his dad was leaving him there. I mean, it's just, he was, you know, a late signee, all heart, all effort, great guy, and just a super person and uh, just think the world of him and glad he's a trustee now. And mm-hmm. but just, he was also a great football player. The thing I love about Quentin's story is, is that it's, you know, everybody's like, as we already said, it's special. It's unique. Every Auburn story is unique, but his to me is so quintessentially Auburn because it comes from such humble roots, such hardworking, you know, just down in the dirt, getting your hands dirty. And then now he's risen to a position of essentially power amongst the Auburn community and he wields it so well. And I'll be honest with you, you know, I love Alan Green, but I pitched heavily for Quentin Riggins to become the AD when he was. Now, I, um, I, I, I would be perfectly fine with that too one day if that, if that were to ever happen. I mean, he's such a, he's, he's a great guy. He's a smart guy. Um, clearly loves Auburn and ha- just has so many different skills. But, I mean, just in terms of, you know, 
other than that, then, you know, you, you get to people like Charles Barkley, um, who I, I, you know, just think was fabulous. Uh, and, uh, you know, Tracy Rocker, uh, Takeo Spikes, Carlos Dansby, you know, and I ask you on the defensive side a little bit, I guess. We have to give them love every once in a while. We can't just talk about the points. We got to be able to keep the points from being scored. Yeah. Question number six, your favorite Auburn coach. Favorite Auburn coach, Sonny Smith. Oh, I love terrible. that answer. I love Sonny. Uh, Sonny's great. I mean, uh, you know, I, I loved Coach Jordan and, uh, you know, got to meet him a few times when I was a youngster. Uh, th- uh, had an incredible amount of uh, uh, admiration for Coach Dye. Um, you know, I think Gus is a super, super person. And, you know, he occasionally calls, causes me to pull my hair out, but I guess they all have at some, <laughs> at some level. <clears throat> but, you know, in terms of somebody being down to earth, and a better coach than probably got credit for, I, I, I say Sonny. Yeah, Sonny is is one in a million, and I just love the – if you can get after the refs the way he oh. does on the air, that just wins me over every single time. Yeah, Sonny's just always been hysterical. I, I remember a preseason news conference, um, and he, he was you know talking about what they were going to do this year, and he said, yeah, we put in some new defenses this year. We're really excited about it. And then Philip Marshall, who was my boss at the time, asked him, well, Sonny, you know, how's your team's academics? He said, oh, we're putting that in next year. <laughs> I'm, just like, honest, so honest. I'm just like falling over. <laughs> you, you won't do right, but he's, he's a great guy. And, and his wife, Jean, is such a lovely lady, too. Oh, that's classic. Question number seven, your favorite non-athletics Auburn person. So a little clarification for you. This can be anything from a family member, a celebrity, someone who is not directly associated with the athletics programs there. Uh, well, I can't say Housel because he was. But, uh, I mean, I would say Jack Sims, who was a journalism professor and a peer of my father, uh, was just a super guy, uh, somebody I always think of when I think of Auburn. Um, you know, I think of people I knew growing up that were fans, people that don't mean names you don't know or, or, or anything like that. They're just folks that, you know, that, that loved Auburn, that went to Auburn, that embraced Auburn, and that Auburn embraced them back. So, but, uh, you know, there's so many, too many to name. Yeah. Question number eight, your favorite Auburn building? Uh, it's not right Haley now, Center. Right now it's the arena. <laughs> I love the arena. I mean, that, what a fabulous place to watch a basketball game. Yeah. Um, um, not Haley Center. <laughs> Never Haley Center. <laughs> I liked going to movies in Langdon Hall. Um, all the buildings that I liked, I mean, are, are went in or are gone for the most part. Um, I like the uh, – it wasn't on campus, but I liked that Guthrie's when it was still <laughs> Oh, man, I miss that Guthrie's so much. It's, it's gone now completely, isn't it? I think it, it. I think they may have leveled it. I'm not even sure. I believe it, it is. Not a, it's not a restaurant anymore. That's for sure. I, I do remember going that because I live not far from the Guthrie's as well. And I remember going there every single time I went there. There was always a football player in there for some reason. I don't know why they chose this Guthrie's as opposed to the one at the gas station. But like, I was like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to see an Auburn football player. So that's just where I always went. Uh, your favorite Auburn place to eat is question number nine. Uh, right now. Uh, bow and arrow I'm, I'm a barbecue guy um i like uh i like the hound i like uh amsterdam uh back then i i used to eat at the grill uh, that was next door to tumors back in the day mm-hmm. um and uh, i'm trying to think wherever else uh, uh 
wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't real food, but I liked I liked the flush. I mean, it was still open when I was in school. I liked to go get, get a shake over at the Santa Flush at the freeze. Um, uh, I, but right now, bow and arrow because I like brisket and I like a like like some good cube. Haven't had that one in a while, so that's a or that one at all actually. So that's a great hey, selection hey, there. Uh, question number ten. Your favorite Auburn tradition that can, that can be sports, non-sports, obscure personal traditions that you have for Auburn, but your favorite Auburn tradition? Uh, I loved the Rec Tech Pajama Parade. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, now, Tiger Walk, I mean, how could you not? I mean, it's, you know, particularly for a big game, you know, people, you know, lying in the streets getting excited. But, uh, you know, I, I hate that kids today really don't see, you know, how that those things went about. Yeah. I think a lot of those old rivalries, we don't see as much anymore, Georgia tech, Florida state, uh, you know, those have some, some ties I think that really should be rekindled at some point. And, you know, there, there might've been a moment where here during COVID-19, we might've been able to make some deal with the ACC to do some things like that, but I guess it would have been fun, you know, and, and, and obviously we, we played Florida last year and played Tennessee a couple of years ago, but those were every year games Yeah, for me growing up. I mean, that was just, you know, Early sept, you know, mid September, late September, you were going to get a game at Tennessee. Florida was kind of uh, right there before Georgia, usually a week or two before that. Um, so I mean, you know, I, I understand why they do the way they do it now, particularly with the expanded league. But uh, you know, I also hate that you know that that Auburn folks aren't getting the opportunity to go to those places every other year because they were those were fun trips. It is quite a shame. Question eleven: Your favorite Auburn memory. Favorite Auburn memory? Um, well, I've talked about some of them. My son getting knocked down by Carnell Williams would definitely That's be good. one of them. You know, uh, I think of uh, the memories of games uh, that I wasn't even there. Uh, the Texas A&M game in, in 2013, I was actually in this room. My son was a, still a student. He was a senior. He'd come home for the weekend. And he was, I mean, he was almost like Spider-Man. He was so nervous on the final drive. He was like sitting on this couch. Then he was sitting on the top of the couch. And he was standing up on the back of the couch against the wall. And it was almost like he was climbing up with each first down A&M got until we stopped him. Um, and then this is my, my, my favorite current memory. And, she, and she's not in here to defend herself. The LSU basketball game this year, if you remember, we were down like eight with a minute 25 to go. Yep. Doesn't look like we're going to win. My wife says, I'm going to go to the restroom real quick because it'll get crowded when the game's over. And I'll come back here. I went, okay. She comes back right after we tied the game. She was gone the whole time during the comeback. And I said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go back to the restroom. <laughs> I mean, the, the people that were sitting behind us were just howling at me and howling at her because she had missed the entire deal, the, the entire comeback. Um, you know, but, you know, the, the kick sixes, the prayer, Jordan hair. I was not there for the kick six. I was there for the prayer. Um, you know, the, we talked about Glendale, the, the, the there, the, uh, the watching the comeback uh, in, in 2010, and just so many different games and that. I mean, just the the explosion of noise on Cam's run against LSU, the explosion when and Ricardo Lewis caught that ball, which was really, you know, I mean, I've heard the noise of the kick six, but that was more of a crescendo because I mean, it was like this rolling noise as it became realized what could happen. The Ricardo thing, nobody really expected to happen until they right. pulled in. And it was, it was literally like a bomb went off. And I'll, and I'll never forget that because my ears just popped when it, when it happened. And, and I was with a friend at the game and we were just like, 
what happened? You know, just amazing. Cause we were, we were basically sitting right down um, at, on the sideline at about the five, right in front of, I mean, having wow. right in front of us. And uh, I mean, of course he was towards the middle of the field, but we, we had pretty low seats and it was just like, that didn't happen. And it did. And it was just utterly amazing. Uh, I'm sad that you get into, didn't get to be at the kick six, but you picked well, number two in all of Auburn history probably to be at at this point. Yeah, you know, I, I, there's there's a reason why I won't get into it, but uh, you know, I got to spit. I watched it. My wife and I watched it. and I've sat there and she was going crazy, and I was sitting there worried about whether they were going to have a replay or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I officiated some high school football, so I, I skew towards thinking about rules too often that I, I'll get lost. In, you know you know, get away from the actual moment of it and like trying to analyze, oh, they're not going to review that, are they? No, I didn't. You know, <laughs> enjoy it. You know, you want it. It's over. <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> I've been there too, so I can appreciate that. Uh, your final question, it might be an easy one, but let's see. Describe Auburn in one word. Um, you know, the, the, the easy one would be to say would be family, but I would say connection. I think that's um, a more intimate way to describe that family. Because it gets outside of the family, um, you know, it connects in different ways. It does connect within your own family. It connects with people that that aren't your physical relative, but you know that you have a a a, a connection with. And and, and that, I would say that would be the word I use. That's a great word for us to end on in this discussion and talking about your Auburn roots and just hearing the stories, uh, the fun times, the memories, your favorite things, uh, all of that in between. Thank you so much for spending some time Thank with you, us. Kyle, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it, and we're obviously – my family is appreciative to you for what you've meant to us, and uh, okay. we're appreciate. I absolutely adored your dad, and, uh, you know, I, I have no doubts about him. But uh, the, the thing that – I mean, I just the, – the joy that he lived his life with was, was, it was always an encouragement to me. It, it would definitely that, and I think that's something we all hold on to today, whether it was joy about where he was going to end up at the end of all this or just as something as simple as an Auburn football game, sometimes a little too much joy. <laughs> <laughs> Never too much. <laughs> Never too much. Reagan, thank you again. And War Eagle, 